Hello, and welcome to the Popcorn Isn't Real. I'm Leif Eric, and I'm here with my brother Torvald, and we've got a great show for you today. I've got a question for you. Who do you think would win in a fight? Cinderella or Belle? Cinderella or Belle? Yeah. Oh, I have Belle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Well, why would, like, why would Belle win? I, her movie was made in the 90s, right when Disney was just starting to try to sort of reverse some of their princess Yeah, tropes. what's she going to do? Read Cinderella <laughs> to death? That's all she does. So she, even though Belle is, has a lot of the same, you know, problems as many of the princess characters, um, she, she is a little more active of a protagonist. If we're saying that the universes are merged, these two universes exist together, and they just run into each other in universe, which can, encompasses both universes, Belle would stomp. Belle would destroy Cinderella, because as soon as they start fighting, she's got the freaking beast who would come <laughs> and just rip Cinderella apart. And she's got freaking, even more importantly, Gaston who would come. No one fights like Gaston. <laughs> like, yeah. he, eats, he eats so many eggs. And <laughs> like, his own belt. <laughs> yeah, he, he <laughs> just, just ripped it apart with his teeth. Well, Belle also has crazy old Maurice, who created like a axe-killing <laughs> oh, yeah. machine. Yeah, axe machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, no, wait, but okay, if these are universe versus universe, I- I'm wrong. Cinderella would win. She has a fairy godmother with oh, actual magic. She, for all we know, she's well, the woman who cursed the beast, right? Like, <laughs> maybe. I mean, might no, as well, well be. I mean. Or does she have a fairy godmother? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> You've got a Cinderella theory? <laughs> yeah. Oh, color me surprised. <laughs> I thought we were just here to chit-chat. <laughs> well, I have a theory. So we're talking about Disney's Cinderella, a classic film made in 1950. The directors were apparently Clyde Geronimi and Wilfred Jackson. This is a Geronimi film? Yeah. <laughs> Good old Jeremy. Disney is fully aware of the criticism about their princess characters, so we can certainly get into that. We don't want to outright hate on it because this is a very beloved film, even if you're not Disney. I think that a far superior film is Cinderella 3, which we'll definitely talk about. (laughs) Many people may not agree with that. And to that, I say, watch them again. (laughs) Just just watch them Uh, like I did. Back to back. One, two, and three. And tell me which one is the best. Which one's the most exciting? Who wouldn't agree that number three is the best? I, I don't think that's a controversial statement. <laughs> it's I mean, I think best. it is, but just because most, most people don't even know that number three exists. <laughs> but I mean, it came out in like the golden age of Disney when every movie <laughs> was a direct VHS sequel and yeah, <laughs> the hits yeah. just didn't stop. All right. <laughs> it was amazing. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll get to, to the sequels. But right now, perhaps you could give us a quick synopsis of the age old tale of Cinderella. Basically, uh, she she grew up and was happy until her mom died and her dad remarried and he married an evil lady with two evil stepdaughters. And then her dad died. And then it was this evil stepmom and the evil stepdaughters basically, you know, exploiting her, making her be their their little personal slave, pretty much. Right. Until one day when she meets her fairy godmother who helps her go to a ball, she meets a prince and they get married happily ever after, after he finds out that her foot fits the glass slipper. My Cinderella theory is that Cinderella was delusional, possibly schizophrenic, and she never went to the ball. Okay, but did she get married? 
Yes, she did. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm excited about this. <laughs> well, everything did uh, sort of ironically work out for her in the end. But yeah, she never went to the ball. She did get married to the prince. She did. Her dreams did come true. The movie starts with a song. Cinderella's sleeping. She gets woken up by birds. What a way to get woken up every morning. <laughs> like, I don't know, friendly birds pecking you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think that she's making the best of a bad situation. She lives up in a tower, probably with birds pooping on her and stuff. And she's sort of imagining a better version of this where the birds are her friends. They wake me up in the morning. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Hold on. Let me, let, let me flesh this out for our audience then. It sounds like what you're saying is that she does interact with animals as she does in the movie but just not in the same way that the movie portrays that yes, like yes. she's just living among rodents basically and she pretends that they're her friends we are in cinderella's perspective it is true that she interacts with animals but essentially what it is is that she is crawling with vermin your theory basically everything stems from the idea that this movie like everything that happened in this movie is centered around like the magic of, you know, her being able to interact with animals and the magic of her actual fairy godmother doing real magic. And you're saying, no, there's no magic. Like, we, we nope. live in the world where there's no, no magic. magic. Nope. And so we know that everything magic that happened in this movie must be within her mind. That's right. what I think that this is just a very out, logical, right? rational okay. interpretation of this film. Well, and I wanted to point out some of the lyrics of this this song, uh, Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. Uh, she does say in the very beginning when she's singing, no matter how your heart is grieving, if you keep on believing, the dream that you wish will come true. Right, but doesn't that fit with both? Like, that That also just fits with the regular movie because she's having a oh, hard sure, time. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. And her wish does come true in the end. <laughs> like, that doesn't mean no, she's yeah, crazy. Yeah. No, it, it fits. I just think one thing that I wanted us to look at is just the fact that no matter how your heart is grieving, what is Cinderella grieving about? She lost both of her parents, hugely traumatic, and now she's just living with her stepfamily, who doesn't treat her very well, though I believe they actually treat her better than what we see. I think that she kind of interprets many of these events to be worse than they actually are. Okay. But um, I think that the death of her father, she was always an imaginative child, as Lady Tremaine says several times, she's an imaginative child. Yeah. But I think that the death of her father kind of pushed her over the edge and her psychosis has kind of gotten worse and worse over the years. One of the kind of staples of this movie, which we learn really early on, is that Cinderella not only has befriended all these animals, but she also sews clothes for them. Do you think she's actually sewing clothes for them? <laughs> it's my question. Yes, she is actually oh. sewing clothes for the mice. I don't believe that they're necessarily keeping those clothes on or in ripping the, they might be ripping <laughs> okay. them up biting them whatever but she is actually sewing clothes for the mites i mean we know that she likes to anthropomorphize things because one of the first yeah. things she does is when the clock chimes she says old killjoy oh, yeah. even he orders me around and so we know the that clock a person <laughs> she <laughs> imagines weird. that things are being mean to her and ordering her around even if they're actually not she dresses up mice she thinks okay, well, that they uh, she dresses can talk up to mice her. The birds that wake her up also have shoes and bandanas. Does she dress up birds as well? I believe that she tries. Now, again, I don't okay. necessarily <laughs> know that these clothes stay on. But clearly, okay. yes, she does try to catch and dress up her birds, just as she does with the mice. She believes that they talk to her and she imagines them having crazy adventures all the time. This is a coping me mechanism, right? Men meninism. 
<laughs> Someday I'll get this podcasting oh. thing right. <laughs> I think that day is today. So uh, this is escapism from her hard life. Uh, she dreams of having these mice helping her because, of course, she is a sort of slave. And it's her dream to be able to S- enslave sort of. other people <laughs> and be the one who is in charge, which is, of well, course. She's not enslaving the mice. It's, it's like an is. Aquaman they situation. They give her a bath. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. But what, what she's imagining is she's imagining herself essentially what happens in the end, becoming a princess. She wants to have herself surrounded by loving servants. Right. Which is is what is happening happening right these mice wake up they help her get dressed they polish her shoes they give her a That's bath true. It's true. they bring her her clothes right you know she's kind of waiting on her you know <laughs> yeah, doing everything kind of <laughs> yeah exactly of course none of this is happening she's just imagining herself as a princess using the things that she sees around her and that's important is that her delusions generally come from whatever she sees around her so you you think she actually saved like a crazed rodent that was stuck in that trap. Yeah, so Jack-Jack Forced finds... clothes on it. <laughs> yeah, she did. Okay. So Jack finds Gus, or Gus-Gus, however you want to look at it. No, his name is not Gus or Gus-Gus. It's, it's Octavius. Octavius. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Gus for short. <laughs> right, well, because Octavius, if you wouldn't know this as a kid watching this movie, is another form of Augustus, and Gus is short for Augustus. So you're saying Cinderella is, like, actually quite book smart. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, she loves telling educated. stories to herself. She's educated. I mean, she, you know, her father was a nobleman. Uh, she probably had some kind of an education before she got moved up into the tower, you know. And she loves telling stories. And these stories kind of turned into full-blown delusions as she got older. They find Gus in a trap. And the fact that they have mouse traps either means that someone in the house is aware of the problem and trying to fix it. But no one does anything like that except Cinderella. So what I think that means is that Cinderella herself catches these mice so she can dress them up. She is the one who sets those traps. Who else would do it? We think Lady Tremaine is going up to Cinderella's tower and setting a trap. I mean, they also have a house cat. And as far as I understand, like having a house cat was specifically like to get rid of mice. Yeah, no, I mean, Lady Tremaine, I do think, is aware of this mouse problem and she has a cat to take care of it. I don't think she's going into Cinderella's tower and setting up the traps, though. I think that's all Yeah, Cinderella. that's true. No, you're right. <laughs> Lady Tremaine would not care one bit about mice in Cinderella's tower. You have a really good point there. Just to be clear for our listeners, if you haven't seen Cinderella lately, this tower has literally like one room like you go in and there's a staircase that leads all the way to the top and that's where cinderella's room is the rest of the tower is barren there's nothing else in it it is a detached building with nothing in it except for cinderella's room at the top and it's kind of decrepit so it seems like nobody cares about this tower and why would anyone set traps there unless it's cinderella trying the only trap we ever see (laughs) is right in cinderella's domain she must have set that trap herself (laughs) right and so this is really important because When we see Gus in the trap, Gus is naked. So we know Uh this is not a world of anthropomorphic animals. Animals don't normally wear clothes. Cinderella makes little clothes for them and forces them to wear them. Well, no. So you say that this isn't a world with anthropomorphic animals. And I kind of agree. But that makes me wonder, like, the mice talk to Cinderella. The Mm -hmm. birds don't talk to Cinderella. But they do help Cinderella. Mm Mm-hmm. The cats and dogs and horses like Bruno and Lucifer, they don't even interact with Cinderella like humans, like the mice and birds do. What's going on here? Is there some sort of like hierarchy in Cinderella's mind? Like the more of a pest you are, the more you <laughs> human you are? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think it has more to do with 
the amount of interaction it has with a human because that means that her imagination can work less on it. She can't have as many delusions about Lucifer or the dog because, of course, they're around other humans, right? And so she yeah. can't imagine People that they're talking because no one else would hear them talking, right? Then then her, her whole delusion would be ruined. Whereas the mice, those are the only ones. No one, no one is going to stop and interact with the mice. So she can kind of imagine them talking to her. And birds, like, you know, birds, everyone sees birds. So those have a little bit of interaction with humans. Um, okay. So, you know, they just don't talk, but they're still somewhat anthropomorphic. But in Cinderella 2, there are interactions between other people and these mice, namely when Jack-Jack becomes a human (laughs) and interacts with people. And then in Cinderella 3, the Prince Charming seems to understand Jack and Gus when they talk to him. In the sequels, yes. I do want to get to the sequels more toward the end uh, and go in Okay, but is your theory kind of like exclusive of the sequels? Like we're just looking at Cinderella like as its own movie? No, we will look at all of them. And I believe there is evidence in all of them. But the second movie and the third movie are both stories that are being told. And so they have a lot of fantastical elements in them. Well, now this is interesting because the first Cinderella movie is literally a story being told. (laughs) As most old Disney movies were for some reason. Like they seemed to think it was really cool to start their movie with a book opening. It's just because they were adapted. You'd think they wouldn't want to call attention to that. Now they wouldn't want to call attention to that. Like they don't start Frozen with a book opening. Dude, they start it with a big old song about ice. (laughs) (laughs) Great. It just goes on for like three minutes. Oh, we're going to do a Frozen episode. Another Frozen episode. (laughs) Wow, we just did a Frozen episode. (laughs) Um, All right, all right. In this scene, she's like, there's one thing they can't take away from me, my dreams. Well, that's interesting because I don't know if you're going to talk about this, but just a few scenes later, she is like just absolutely ripping into Bruno. (laughs) That's bad. (laughs) You need to get rid of those dreams. Something that he has no control over. (laughs) Like it's like. Uh, So she's going she's going down to get breakfast ready. She meets Bruno the dog and she scolds him for dreaming because he was dreaming about catching Lucifer, even though she literally just said they can't take away my dreams. Then she tells the dog to learn to get rid of his dreams. And I think this is because subconsciously she knows that her dreams and delusions are not real and she'd be better off getting rid of them. There's a part of her that knows she's crazy and is sort of mad at herself for that. So she takes out that anger on the dog. Right, yeah, it's a, it's a projection. Right, but also it's a like a it's like a sure it's a projection, but within a delusion itself because she's freaking talking to a dog. Uh, lots of people talk to their dogs. I, mean, I know, I know, on. but I'm saying she I doesn't know what cat. it was dreaming about. Do we really think it nodded yes when she's like, "Did you catch him?" <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> she blames the dog for dreaming about catching and possibly killing Lucifer, and then tells him that's bad, and uh, she he's got to get rid of those dreams or he'll lose his nice warm bed. And I think she is here again projecting her own feelings onto Bruno and may herself be secretly afraid if Lady Tremaine finds out how crazy she is that she might lose her nice warm bed in the tower. Or she could be referring to the fact that she already lost her nice warm bed in the house. (laughs) And Lady Tremaine might be putting her in the tower because she's like, let's get this crazy girl away from my daughters. (laughs) I I do want to point out, though, that like, unlike every other character in the movie, including the step family, 
Cinderella is like actually pretty protective of Lucifer. <laughs> like she's she's always telling the animals and people to be nice to Lucifer. <laughs> she seems to care about him. It's also at this point that she shoos the chickens away so she can feed the chicken food to the mice, to the pests. <laughs> Luckily, the cat is there doing his job and trying to stop the mice. Okay, and that's the next <laughs> thing I was going to mention is like, Cinderella's she's being a servant. She's delivering breakfast to the uh, stepmom and the stepsisters. I want to point out, I thought this was pretty cool. They even foreshadow at this point that she loses her shoes on stairs. Because <laughs> while she's delivering breakfast to everyone, she's going down the stairs and her shoe comes off and she has to go put it back on. I was like, ah, that's good attention to detail. Right, yeah. I also think this could be where her brain gets the idea to create this romantic story later on that I was at the ball and I lost my shoe, which, as we'll find out, spoiler alert, doesn't actually happen. Oh, well... Lucifer, the cat, he's following her because underneath one of the cups on the tray she's holding is a mouse. When he finally gets his hands on this mouse, Cinderella chews him out and she's like, oh, Lucifer, won't you ever learn? And I'm like, won't he learn what? To catch mice better? Because this is his job. <laughs> like, yeah, what, no, he, what do you expect him to do? Not catch mice? There was a mouse in Anastasia's tea. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's disgusting. It's like, oh true, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't even point that out. <laughs> right, the right, mouse right, actually yeah. ended up in the food, <laughs> in the tea in particular. <laughs> yeah, and, no. Uh, she straight up delivers on a tray a cup with a mouse in it to Anastasia. This actually happens. And Anastasia, of course, blames her for playing a prank. I think that Cinderella was playing a prank on it. She caught this like mouse it. like 10 minutes ago and put it in Anastasia's tea. It's true. It is the exact <laughs> After putting mouse a shirt that she on caught. <laughs> <laughs> but I will grant it is possible that a mouse just ended up in this teacup. The mouse that Cinderella caught not, that morning and somehow Cinderella didn't know about it. But I think that the far more likely thing is exactly what Anastasia says. She put it in my teacup, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then You're the right. fact that she yells at Lucifer right after for catching that mouse that was bothering Anastasia, I think kind of tells you whose side she's on, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, definitely. Lady Tremaine literally says, we don't have time for vicious practical jokes. And I think this could be another further little evidence that she's just kind of a crazy person doing weird things every once in a while. So they had to move her to the tower where she wouldn't bother her daughters so much. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they shouldn't give her the job as their slave then, <laughs> if she does stuff like this. No, I, 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 they're not good people. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to argue they're not quite as bad, but they're still really bad. Um, so then Lady Tremaine gives her a bunch of chores. Now, I think the amount of chores is exaggerated in Cinderella's perspective. Like, you listen to what Lady Tremaine asks her to do. She says, clean the big carpet and the tapestries and the drapes and wash all the windows upstairs and downstairs and do the chimney. And then, of course, the washing and the mending and give Lucifer his bath. There's no yeah. way one person could do all those chores in one day. I mean... Even like just the chimney alone isn't probably an all day job, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know much about cleaning chimneys aside from Mary Poppins, but it seems like yeah. a pretty intense thing. <laughs> so I agree. It's a lot of stuff that she's given to do, but she's specifically given all this stuff to do as a punishment. So maybe it's supposed to be a little overboard, right? Like... I do believe that Lady Tremaine gives her a lot of chores, but I just don't think that it's it's quite as bad as as what Cinderella is 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 interpreting here. 
just going back to what I was saying about the, this family is that uh, they all have issues. Uh, no matter what, this is a very dysfunctional family. But I do think it's important to note the stepsisters are not specifically mean to only Cinderella. They are just as mean to each other. They're constantly you pushing each right. other it's and true. fighting and yelling at each other and even ordering each other around. No, definitely. And that that holds true for all the Cinderella movies, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like yeah. the, the stepsisters don't seem to like each other at all any more than they like Cinderella. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that if we were even Lady Tremaine, she yells at Cinderella, but she also yells at Drizella and Anastasia a lot, too. Uh, I but think it, if we were seeing this from a more Drusella and Anastasia. She doesn't want the best for Cinderella. No, No, it's true. (laughs) And she plays favorites. I'm not saying, yeah. I I think if we saw this from an omniscient perspective, not from Cinderella's point of view, we would just see a very dysfunctional family with a lot of issues. Yeah. So the B story of this is not, as you might expect, about, say, fleshing out the personality of the prince. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> it's about <laughs> the king and no the duke. <laughs> the king has a lot of personality, oh, oddly yeah, enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought the king's personality was pretty interesting, though. Like, they picked a really weird yeah. personality for him. Like, he just really, really, really likes kids. He just wants kids. <laughs> He's like, man, yeah, I miss my kids. kids. I wish I had grandkids. <laughs> like, to the point of being murderous, kids. he loves kids. <laughs> not murderous of kids really themselves, wants... but anyone no, no, who's no, not getting him more kids. prevent him from having kids. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, what an interesting character. And especially to give to, like, a single older man like that's not generally what and and i don't mean this in a creepy way (laughs) Um, it seems like he genuinely like just wants to you know have a good relationship with his grandkids which don't exist sadly (laughs) but it's kind of interesting what a what a fun weird king (laughs) so equally interesting about this king is that he abuses the grand duke He also says that his son has silly romantic ideas and also that he's like kind of lazy. Uh, We don't get much more information about the prince beyond those two Prince Charming is not lazy. (laughs) Did you see him like swinging around on ropes and fencing at the same time? We see a very romanticized version of him in the third movie (laughs) that is arguably just ripping off Prince Eric's personality. Leaping like 40 (laughs) feet from his horse to a moving boat and swinging around and then sliding down the sails on a knife prince charming's insane (laughs) (laughs) for no reason also a deserted boat might i add but we'll get to that this is is cinderella (laughs) three um but with the king it's important here that the duke is absolutely terrified of the king and the king has no problem threatening violence or threatening to kill the duke and also not threatening assaulting actually trying to to chop his head off (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Uh, so I think that, that that's going to be important later on, that the Duke absolutely does not want to get killed by the king. <laughs> when he's having them try on the, the shoe, uh, when they break the shoe, he clearly thinks he's about to die. And with good reason. <laughs> okay, so all the eligible maidens got to go to the ball because the prince needs to get married, right? After they get this letter, they're all super excited. Um, they all go to get their outfits ready. Cinderella's like, ooh, ooh, me too. And they're like, no, not you. You got to finish all your chores. And only if you finish all your chores and get a dress ready, then maybe we'll let you come. Right before the proclamation from the king arrives, Cinderella is cleaning an uncarpeted floor which I yeah. want to point out is not one of the jobs she was given. No, I noticed that too. <laughs> <laughs> now, she is uh, she is cleaning it very slowly and methodically, 
which I think if she had as many chores as Lady Tremaine gave her, she'd want to do this a little bit quicker. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's singing, sing Sweet Nightingale, which of course is what her sisters are singing upstairs. Now, here I believe she is in a bit of a dissociative trance-like state. This is not the last time this happens to her in this movie. Yeah, I mean, there's weird multicolored bubbles everywhere. (laughs) She sees bubbles, each containing another Cinderella in a different Uh hue. And then all of these many Cinderellas start harmonizing to sing one song. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that this sequence is a deliberate visual hint telling us that Cinderella has many facets and many personalities. She is delusional and possibly schizophrenic. These other Cinderellas are not real, and the various facets of her personality are all working together in harmony to try to create a perfect dream world for herself. I don't okay. see what else that scene is trying to tell no, us. So she's I'm going to ask you to play devil's advocate to your own theory because I can't possibly think what that scene is trying to do in the regular interpretation of Cinderella. <laughs> like, I mean, okay. Why do we have harmonizing multicolored Cinderellas here? Like, I, I guess uh, if I'm going to take a bash at it, <laughs> to quote Krista, um, <laughs> well, I guess I would think that the animators just thought this was a good time for a song right. and they thought it would yep. be nice with some harmony. Yep. I don't know. I mean, that, that's <laughs> like, how I would play devil's on? advocate is the old, in the old Disney system, Walt Disney just wanted cool sequences with songs and they made a lot of money off of their music and they needed, they built a lot of their plots around their different songs that they had and I think they just had this idea, they had a cool sequence for a song so they put it in. Like, I I don't know, like, why does Dumbo get drunk and see pink elephants and sing a song? Well, but at least he's (laughs) drunk when it happens. Cinderella's not drunk, like, what's going on here? (laughs) I mean, I guess it's just more of the same in the normal interpretation from the beginning of a dream is a wish your heart makes they're just saying she's she's dreamy she's dreaming of a better life okay even she's daydreaming she's, sure. right even while she's uh, you know cleaning floors right and, but and even then her... if that's your best interpretation of it it's still showing that she's kind of out of it right like she's <laughs> yeah. not really present no for sure <laughs> okay she also has violent outbursts so she gets mad at the cat for being a cat when he walks around in her dustpan. Then she comes after him with a broom saying, I'm going to have to teach you a lesson, presumably to beat the cat with the broom. And luckily, the messenger shows up at that moment. (laughs) I mean, that cat did like very deliberately track dirt all over her floor. In her mind. No, a cat (laughs) just tracked dirt all over the floor. And (laughs) she interpreted that to be a slight against her, not just an animal being an animal. And she's right. like, I'm going to beat also, this cat. <laughs> it's not the cat's job to keep the floor clean. It's her job to keep the floor clean. And if she hadn't been so daydreamy, then maybe she would have noticed yeah, what she was happening around her. She could have emptied her dustpan before she started. <laughs> right. She started scrubbing that floor that she wasn't even asked to scrub when she has a million other chores. Just <laughs> <laughs> felt like scrubbing the floor. So then they get the, they get the letter. While Cinderella is doing her chores and helping her sisters and, and stepmom with their dresses, the mice make a dress for Cinderella. If the mice made her dress, and if she's imagining the mice actually doing any of this, then who made her dress? Because she didn't have time to make a dress. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. This is, this is a good point. This is a very important point. To set this up, Cinderella has some very fancy items from her mother stashed away. We know she has at least one. She has a dress. Now, 
I think this is important because the Tremaines were a wealthy family. They say that Lady Tremaine wasted all of Cinderella's father's wealth after he died, but clearly Cinderella has managed to stash away at least a few things of her mother's. She also has a rather large chest of sewing supplies. It's got a lock and a keyhole on it, and it's filled with, with sewing stuff. And she imagines for herself a world... Where wouldn't it be cool if while I did my chores, the mice made my dress? Even though, I want to point out, the mice do not sew. Cinderella sews clothes for them. This is the yeah. first time, even if you take this story at face value, this is the first time the mice have ever sewn anything. That we've And they seen. just do it perfectly. But you could say that she sewed for them and then taught them to sew. I guess maybe she's teaching her mice how to sew. But whatever, it doesn't matter because that's, that's all, that, that obviously that's not real. <laughs> okay. So she does her chores. She imagines the mice are doing it for her. Leave the sewing to the women. (laughs) You go get some trimming. You go get the trimming. (laughs) Do you think that a line like that would fly today? (laughs) Oh, of course not. Now, the mice are not sewing anything for her, but it is a comforting delusion that she can imagine while she's doing her chores. The stepsisters hand Cinderella a bunch of laundry to do. Right after she leaves, they throw the sash and the beads on the ground and say how much they hate them. And then we get a sequence where the mice steal these items. But I think that Cinderella really just found those in the pile of clothes. She makes up a story that like, oh, how did I get these? Well, my sisters clearly must hate them. So I'll just use them for my dress. Maybe mice gave them to me. I don't know. (laughs) You're saying that probably she just put on her mom's dress. She stole some stuff from her sisters and stepmom and called it a day. <laughs> She's right. like, all right, this is what I'm wearing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> With a sequence where they steal the beads, I always loved that part where Jacques or Jack Jack is acting like he's so busy, like just snipping off those random buttons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like just Dude, doing something totally really, stupid and pointless. In it. <laughs> she's oh, like, oh, you know, this buttons. is so he important. Just buttons. stacking up this pile of buttons. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jack Jack, he's good at distracting that cat. That's his, that's his main job. And boy, he does it well. Okay, so when we see the mice making the dress, There are some inexplicable things that tell us this is a fantasy beyond just mice making a dress, which should already tell you something. Yeah, which is already pretty fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Now, notice how the dress kind of puts itself together. When the birds tie the bow, it just ties itself up magically. The birds didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And when the mice cut the excess ribbon at the bow, they don't cut it very well. And the excess ribbon just kind of magically like curls up into itself and then just disappears. So it's just a nice bow. (laughs) So Cinderella goes upstairs and I I would just like, at one point she has accepted she's not going because she had no time to make her dress. I mean, so she's literally sitting in her room and trying to convince herself how boring and dull the ball would be while actually convincing herself of the exact opposite. And this is when suddenly she turns around and everything she dreamed actually happened. Her mice did make her a dress. And also that's the theme of the movie, like overtly. The theme is if you dream it, it will happen. But I think what's happening here is that she convinces herself that 
uh, the ball would be so awesome. And then she turns around, she sees all the stuff, which like just her mother's dress and all the things she stole from her sisters. And she's like, wait, I can do this. I can throw all this together really quick. It's going to be beautiful. And then she convinces herself she's wearing a nice dress when really she's coming down wearing like rags and an old dress and stolen beads and a stolen sash. <laughs> if if we just leave off that last part where she convinces herself that it's a nice dress, everything you said up until that point was just canon. Like it's how the movie is. Kind of like a wish fulfillment thing <laughs> like either way you look at it <laughs> that's all it is i'm gonna take it even a step further and i'm gonna say that cinderella actually does very quickly try to alter her mom's dress and i think okay. that it doesn't go well even though she convinces herself it does and she comes down wearing rags <laughs> because oh, no. she cinderella quickly tried to alter her <laughs> dress now her sisters done? make fun of her for it and in her mind she interprets this as them as them ripping, ripping apart, apart her. <laughs> yeah. with their they words don't, yeah they <laughs> don't literally it. rip it apart it. it's a metaphor their words allow her because well, their words force her to see it for how it is right, so yeah. when she says those words it's suddenly ripped apart she's like they exactly ripped it apart. Ooh, that's pretty good <laughs> so all of that. a sudden their words make her realize oh i'm just wearing a bunch of rags i threw together I mangled really my quick mom's dress. <laughs> <laughs> so her sisters do literally say she stole my sash she stole my beads confirming my er earlier theory you know that she did yeah, well she did and um, then also just like when she comes downstairs, no one is surprised about her dress and the well, inexplicability of it. Drizella opens her mouth in a sort of shocked and disgusted look, but that could easily be her being like, what is Cinderella wearing? Those rags. Yeah. They're surprised <laughs> and, at the awful. And when of her, dress. her stepmother asks, doesn't she look good? Drizella's like, no, I don't think so. And then Drizella you know, Drizella's being honest there, and then that's when she notices the beads. Never at any point, we have no confirmation from another character aside from Cinderella. Well, and our own eyes. Yeah, and our own eyes. But, you know, <laughs> that she's actually wearing a beautiful dress. Everyone who looks at her says that it is not beautiful. Hold on. You're saying that the things you're seeing and hearing aren't the things you're seeing and hearing? <laughs> you look down, and the dress isn't there at all. <laughs> the dress isn't popcorn. It's at this point that she, in my opinion, becomes like the most not sane of the entire movie, even in the, the regular interpretation, where like she just like goes and walks away and is crying to herself and saying like, Oh no, it isn't true. It's just no use, no use at all. I can't believe, not anymore. There's nothing left to believe in, nothing. Like, who's she talking to and what's she saying? <laughs> like she's she's almost responding to the music, the, like the, the voices in the music that's playing right now. But <laughs> what are you doing, Cinderella? This is where she starts to imagine a completely fictional version of events where she actually gets to go to the ball. Right. Well, this is where the movie goes crazy and like, whoa, magic, like not just talking mice, but actual magic and some benevolent godlike woman who just wants the best for Cinderella. <laughs> like, it's, right. like, what it's is a fairy godmother? What's she doing here? Why hasn't she helped Cinderella before? Like, Why did she suddenly yeah. show up out of nowhere just just now? <laughs> why couldn't she have like brought Cinderella's mom back from the dead? She clearly has the power. Like we know what her wand can do <laughs> from Cinderella three. <laughs> and as we've already talked about, when Cinderella goes into these delusional phases, 
she just imagines things around her. So what does she do? She's literally just looking around being like, what could be my salvation? Oh, a pumpkin. Maybe that could be a carriage. <laughs> you yeah, <know>? that, that <laughs> dog could be a horse. And and just listen to the nonsense words of the song Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo, like Alakazoo What have you like, got? Are these not the ravings of an insane mind that has snapped? <laughs> or just a fun song for kids. Not just a fun song for kids. No, this is clearly they're trying to tell us she's insane. Like she has literally snapped here and she's just like Alakazoo Demented LaRue. <laughs> like you have to take it in context. And comparatively, it's like really, really similar to Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, right? Which was mm -hmm. written and filmed near the same time. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that there's more evidence. When you're telling someone about a dream you had, a lot of times it sounds really stupid. So just imagine, what if Cinderella, like she's trying to explain this fantasy. She's like, so I had a bunch of horses, but they were actually my mice. And then the person she's telling is like, what? So... So who was your driver? And she's like, well, the driver was my horse. <laughs> no, yeah, the driver was the horse, you're right. Wow. The mice were my horses and my driver was my horse. And and someone hearing this might ask, oh, so wait, but the mice before they turned in to horses were wearing clothes? Was that because of the fairy godmother? And she'd be like, oh, no, I had dressed them up like that previously. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty lunatic story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's a lunatic. <laughs> yeah. So her step family goes to the ball and they see someone at the ball who possibly resembles Cinderella, who the prince dances with. I don't know if I'm cutting ahead here, but do you think Cinderella went to the ball? No, absolutely not. She's oh. just, she's crazy in the backyard. She never okay. went to the ball. Now, I think that this is 100% supported by the movie because they're looking at this person who the prince is dancing with and all of them are being like, who is that? Have you seen her before? And Lady Tremaine is like, no, I've never seen her. Right. And Lady Tremaine is not stupid. She could recognize her own well, yeah. stepdaughter. <laughs> and the, the fairy godmother gave her clothes but didn't change her appearance, right? Like she, right. she put she her hair put up slightly. I don't know. I mean, like the prince is not dancing with Cinderella. That is the only logical explanation here. Otherwise, Lady Tremaine would know exactly who it was. He's dancing with some other lady who came to the ball. And that totally checks out. That makes perfect logical sense. Okay. Except that Cinderella, did she observe these events? Or No, no, no. Many of the events at the ball are not Cinderella's imagination. Specifically, any scene that the step family is in. They actually went to the ball okay. and they saw the prince dancing with someone. And while I do believe that Cinderella is in the backyard imagining she went to the ball, I think the scenes that are her imagination are like the so this is love scene, you know, where they're all alone yeah, yeah. and all that. Like, like yeah, she's imagining, oh, I went to the ball. I fell in love with the prince. We stared at each other, didn't say a word to each other. And all of a nope, sudden we're in they love. They said nothing, <laughs> not a word. And like that. So this is love. I'm like, really? Like this prince's ball all about this prince returning from somewhere like i don't know was he in a war who knows but this whole ball is to like celebrate his return and you really think he can just walk out to the garden and be completely 100 percent alone like no not likely yeah like he there'd be people right. all over lining up to talk to him and dance with him like this is this is his party doesn't make any sense yeah. that all of a sudden they're just there's not a soul around them. Yeah, and and I think uh, just further evidence that of course Cinderella was in her backyard just imagining that she went to the ball is the fact that well what 
makes everything disappear. That clock that woke her up in the beginning that she was yelling at for taking away her dreams. Yeah, right? I hate that clock. Yeah, he's so bossy. <laughs> Even know? he orders like her Like that, that clock, it wakes her up. And so in her fantasy, the reason when all her delusions disappear is just because of the clock. She wakes up. <laughs> so yeah. you're saying she fell asleep in the backyard and yeah, no, Yeah, she, she's, she's just laying on that bench thing she was crying on. She fell asleep. Well, that makes perfect sense, actually. I mean, yeah, she literally did like fall asleep and then all of a sudden was sleeping on her fairy godmother's lap. <laughs> right. And then the clock strikes midnight, which of course that would be the one that would, you know, wake you up the most because of course it has to strike 12 times. And so, you know, it strikes and eventually she wakes up because of the noise and oh man, and none of it was real. Okay. But so one big problem, the theory is going to be the slipper, right? Even if you take the story at face value, and the slipper was some magical thing, why does it not disappear when the clock strikes midnight? Yeah, that's true. What I believe is I believe that Cinderella actually does have a glass slipper. Okay. And it probably was one of her mom's heirlooms. And maybe... What an heirloom. That's pretty crazy. (laughs) Well, she had her mom's dress. Like, uh, I don't know. Maybe that night she was going through all her mom's stuff and she happened to find this glass slipper too. Oh, definitely. I can buy that she has heirlooms from her mom. That's just a really weird thing for anyone to have is a glass slipper. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is a weird thing. Uh, I'll give you that. But I do think that Cinderella actually does have a glass slipper. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying this is evidence against your theory because it's no weirder for her mom to have it than for her fairy godmother to create it. Like, this is a weird thing in general. (laughs) Yes. They send out a royal decree. Well, the prince basically says, whoever wears this slipper, I'll marry. And his dad is like, oh, you hear that? He'll marry anyone. Let's try this on everyone. <laughs> and they send out a royal decree, a quest to find the woman who fits that slipper. Um, which I thought was pretty cool that like the dad so quickly and so eloquently summed up just the utter idiocy of what his son had proposed to do and was just like yeah let's roll with it my son just said something (laughs) stupid that's gonna get him married (laughs) like i love that disney didn't like even in the 50s didn't beat around the bush with that one and they were just like yeah this prince is dumb (laughs) he literally just vowed to marry whoever wears a shoe (laughs) like the duke even says like there could be more than one woman that fits this shoe in the kingdom (laughs) and the dad's like who cares We'll just have him marry whoever. (laughs) And of course, Cinderella 3 does a really good job making fun of that, too. (laughs) The Duke, at the end, he says, and if the woman fits this shoe, then the prince will propose to her and will spend all of his resources in wooing her and even beg her to marry him. And I was like, hey, that's kind of kind of cool. They weren't like, she will be forced to marry him. They were like, he's yeah. going to try and win her over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <He'll> <laughs> Good her for over. him, I guess. <laughs> but when Cinderella and her family find out about this, they're all like, oh, I got to get ready. And they start piling clothes on her. While she is just straight up insane, like she has gone into a dissociative state where she's Dude, she's just about like, to marry a prince. Her, this is the best thing that her ever happened. Eyes are glazed over, and she's just like got this weird smile on her face, so and like, <laughs> yeah, you could argue that uh, I I don't know maybe these old male Disney writers were like, yeah, women just are they're so love struck that you know well, they no, go it's into not even a that. It's, <laughs> if you're gonna watch it the way it's meant to be. Okay, not the way it's meant to be watched, but the way that most people interpret it. Uh, You would just say that, like, this poor girl is a slave 
And she just saw her ticket to freedom and a life of luxury, right? So she has every right to be super happy. Like at this point, she doesn't see anything her uh, stepmother or stepsisters can do to stop it. So she doesn't care anymore. She's just like, they're coming. It's going to fit my foot. I win. Right. Okay. But like she moseys away in like a strange stupor, just like humming and talking to herself. And Lady Tremaine, I think, rightfully realizes that we will never impress the Duke if he sees this crazy child running around the place. Time to lock her up. Like a crazy person. So she locks her up in the tower, which I'm not saying is the right thing to do, but it is one solution to her problem. Yeah. It's like Harry Potter 2, where he's he's deranged. (laughs) Um, he, He drops cakes on people (laughs) well we should do one where where harry where dobby didn't exist like everything else (laughs) in harry potter is true just dobby didn't exist (laughs) that could be interesting (laughs) so her stepmother is gonna lock her in the tower now i think this is important when it actually matters The mice are not able to warn her of information that she doesn't have. The mice keep trying to tell her, Cinderella, 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 Cinderella. And she's just like in her weird days. And then her stepmom locks her in the tower. Yeah, that's true. And of course, this is because the mice aren't really talking to her. They only have information that she has. (laughs) Well, okay. One one thing I just want to say, and this isn't about your theory. This is just about the movie in general. What in the world is wrong with Lady Tremaine, with Cinderella's stepmother? Like, is she stupid? Like, as, as soon yeah, as no. she realized that the prince wants to marry Cinderella, she should have been, like, yeah, she could thanking her up lucky stars on that. and cozying up to Cinderella. Like, Cinderella should have become her favorite daughter from that point on. Because right, why exactly. wouldn't she take advantage of this situation? Like, is she just dumb? <laughs> is she a complete idiot? She's getting exactly what she wants. Her daughter is about to marry the prince. She knows what a servile pushover Cinderella is. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it, No, you're, you're absolutely right. It makes no sense. And if you're trying to define Lady Tremaine, who I believe is an actually a very great villain. Oh, yeah. Especially once she gets a magic wand. <laughs> well, but one thing about her is that she seems very smart and intelligent. And she's a bit of a, she's an opportunist. She's a social climber. She married this nobleman to get his money. And now she's trying to marry the prince to get his money. It makes no sense that she wouldn't capitalize on the Cinderella thing. You know, that's, oh, Cinderella danced with the prince. Unless she knows. Cinderella didn't dance with the prince. I was there. Yes. That wasn't Cinderella. I didn't recognize She's like, my Cinderella's acting having straight up crazy and the <laughs> Grand Duke is coming. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that's the only way this makes sense because like literally all she wants from like the midpoint of the movie on is for one of her daughters to marry the prince. That's all she wants. And what do you know? She's going to get it. <laughs> like she is yeah. literally going like to get it. Like it doesn't matter. Even it. if Cinderella doesn't like her, she would still get all the money. That's just the law, well, right? And like she, she would get like of a the, princess. the connections and the life of luxury. Like if she wants her uh, biological daughters to marry well too, this is the best way to make it happen. <laughs> right? Like there's no better way to get into the higher up crowd than by having your stepdaughter marry the freaking prince yeah there are a lot of things about lady tremaine that i don't think make sense here toward the end but i do think they make more sense with my theory absolutely yeah cinderella's got to escape the tower well but importantly cinderella does escape the tower how could she have escaped the tower if those mice didn't get the key for her Oh, did the mice get the key to her? Wait, hey, did you remember the mice, like, handing a key to her? Did you see that shot? Uh, I mean, they came up the stairs with the key. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> but we we never ever see the mice hand Cinderella a key. There is actually no visual evidence we have. Oh, by golly, you're right. That those mice gave a key to Cinderella that got her out of that tower. So you're saying she just had a spare and remembered it? Uh, there's a lot going on here. The cat, the, supposedly the mice are fighting the cat outside. Cinderella's just going crazy. She's imagining things. But like there's forks and lit candles and glasses and plates shattering. I think what's happening here is Cinderella is just having a fit, right? Yeah. Like she's just breaking stuff. Um, Fair enough. And the stepmother puts the key in her pocket. She pats it. We know that's where the key is because the mice don't exist. Dude, the mice have like x-ray vision right then. (laughs) (laughs) In her delusion, yeah, the mice have x-ray vision. They bring the key up to her. And then we see them starting to push the key under the door. In the next shot, Cinderella is just coming downstairs. We never actually see her get the key. Now, I will say that obviously it seems like, oh, this key thing is going to throw a wrench in my theory. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but um, I don't think so because... We know she has a giant chest in her room with a big lock on the front. She has a key. Now, Torvald, we lived in a house that had old-fashioned keyholes like this. Like, how hard is it to find a key that can work in another lock? Like, they're all very similar. No, they're real similar. And those old keys, like, they only had to, like, hook onto one or two tumblers to actually make the make the lock move. So it's it's not it's not particularly hard to... Just kind of, even if the key's the wrong size, just kind of wiggle it around and it will open. <laughs> right, yeah. When when we were kids, we lived in a house that had old-fashioned keyholes, like the kind that you can actually look through and like spy on people on the other side. And we wanted to see if they would lock. So we literally went, like, we walked a block away to an antique store and bought a ring of antique keys. And hey, we found one that worked. That same kind of key is like still used, like in modern houses in a lot of Europe. Like my house has those locks in every door and as far as i can tell it's the exact same key like there's just a standard inside your house key that is used in every single lock it's they don't change it like it's you right. could use it's your more, house they're more key like privacy inside. locks right. well yeah it's it's just so instead of building like a, a latch like with a knob into the door you just have a key that you put in it's it's very believable the key to that trunk could have been used to open the door or maybe just right. in her fit she just you know push the door down (laughs) (laughs) who knows (laughs) we know that there is at least one key in her room because she had to have something to open that chest so it's possible that could work well and i have one more question to ask you so you say like silverware is flying around things are breaking why did that cup just walk away from gus gus <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Like, maybe because well, i'm like, out of here <laughs> an insane woman is just like going crazy imagining like a cat fighting rats outside her door like, i don't know why yeah the cup walks away from lucifer for a minute and then he just grabs it back and catches a mouse with it it like pops up and then just go like it walks away it's out of there <laughs> Yeah, she accidentally anthropomorphized the wrong thing in that moment. For, for <laughs> yeah, just a she minute. forgot what she was focusing on. No, that <laughs> that exact scene where that cup walks away from Gus Gus was always my favorite part of the entire movie. So I was like, <laughs> what's that cup doing walking around? What's wrong with that cup? <laughs> gets up and walks <laughs> away. And then Lucifer's like, hey, get back here. I was going to use you to catch a mouse. <laughs> Dude, do you want to talk about Lucifer at this point? That poor, poor cat? 
Uh, I mean, I think I already covered it. In, we'll in your interpretation, does he meet his fate here? Or did she just imagine that? Do you think she like grabbed the cat and chucked it out the window? <laughs> like I wouldn't, <laughs> she, wouldn't put it past she her. She may have. No, she <laughs> may have. I don't know. Or maybe Bruno came up. Like she did call for Bruno. So it's possible he came upstairs and chased the cat out the window. I don't know. I like the throwing uh, cats out the window theory better. <laughs> you know, I like She's mad. Too. Yeah, she <laughs> got out. She had guy. her own key. Friggin' cat. I'm going to throw it out the window. <laughs> now I'm going to go talk to the Duke. Yeah, I'm going to put on that slipper. Marry, marry a prince. He's going to love me forever. <laughs> yeah. So downstairs, they're trying to fit the shoe onto the stepsisters. But oh, no, their feet are too big. Yep. And it doesn't fit on either of them. And I'm just like, why does the stepmother say, oh, your grace, I'm frightfully sorry. It shan't happen again. But she says it in like a tone of voice as though she has some sort of plan. When she doesn't, at this point, she has failed. No, she's like, just trying to save face. At this point, her daughters have embarrassed her, so she wants to separate herself from them. She's trying to save face. She's apologizing on their behalf. Yeah, and when uh, Cinderella comes downstairs, she's like, oh, no. Like, what could be more embarrassing than what just happened with my two daughters? Oh, no, my crazy daughter is coming <laughs> yeah, downstairs. Oh, jeez. So, <laughs> oh, poor Lady Tremaine. <laughs> this is a bad day for Lady Tremaine. So she's trying to save face, cover for it. She's like, yeah, oh, that's that's she's just a very imaginative child, that Cinderella. The things that were happening, well... The stepsisters were trying the shoes on, were utterly insane, and definitely were imagined by Cinderella. <laughs> like, this is her thinking about how it's going down there without her. Yeah, my disgusting sisters would probably just be kicking that random yeah, exactly. guy in the that, face. That bellboy, like, <laughs> climbs up on them and starts hammering the shoe onto their giant, ugly feet. <laughs> like, this is what she thinks is happening. Because, like, there's no way. Okay, so another big criticism that you might have of my theory is like, oh... But the shoe fit. No, it didn't. She no, never tried on fit. the shoe. <laughs> yeah, right. her own shoe fit that she already had. So, but she you, never tried on the shoe. Well, in this I case, think that you what think happened Lady is, Tremaine tripped the Duke like she did in the movie. Yeah, it's Lady Tremaine did trip the Duke. So she, she's like, okay, the Duke clearly wants to try this shoe on my crazy daughter. It's not going to fit. It's not her shoe. She wasn't at the ball. But. I don't know. Maybe I think that Lady Tremaine was trying to help her out here. She's like, maybe if I break the shoe, we can be like, oh, but it probably would have fit. Like she doesn't have much le many options left for yeah, her. But right she now, let her Lady other Tremaine. daughters try the shoe on. Why wouldn't she let Cinderella in this case? She struck out once. She struck out twice. She's like, I'm not going to get strike three. The only way I win here is if I prevent them from trying to <laughs> try this shoe on another one of my daughters. And then maybe we can like say, oh, it probably would have fit. I don't know. Yeah, but like, man, risky move by by the stepmother because, boy, she knows how important that shoe is and she's just going to break it. <laughs> like, uh... Right. But as it turned out, it wasn't even a risky move because like the Duke doesn't get mad at Lady Tremaine. He's just like, oh, man, the king's going to kill me. <laughs> And the Duke, I think it's important, is afraid for his life at this point. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't care. Things. Who knows if that shoe actually matched the other shoe? Like, sure, they look similar, but if you compared them, would they really match? I don't know. It doesn't matter. The Duke's like, okay, I my glass slipper broke. There's another one right here, and it fits yes. this random woman. Let's just take her back to the castle. No, <laughs> Job definitely. Done. Like, that's how it happened either way you look at this movie. Like, that Duke was just going to take anyone who fit that shoe anyway, and then it broke. But this girl has a shoe, so we'll take her, right? Like, he didn't care. 
But you you think that she actually went back to the castle and married the prince? You think he wasn't like, yes. who the heck is this? This is other girl I danced with. Get rid of her. She's crazy. Like, you don't think he called her out? Well, I guess not. I mean, you know what he say? He doesn't seem to be very smart. We already pointed that out. Right. But in Cinderella <laughs> 3, when the wrong girl shows up, he does call her out. And they're like, but you said right, you married right. her. And he's like, sorry? Maybe they get married. You could also say, oh, that's in her imagination. But I think there's a fun irony that like this crazy girl who just had her own shoe ended up, her dreams actually did come true, right? Like yeah. she was right. Like all her delusioning and imagining, it actually worked in the end and she got to marry the prince. And that, that you know, that's still a cool story. No, it is fun. And I mean, there's a lot about this movie that just doesn't really like make sense. Like why are there talking mice why doesn't the stepmom just kind of roll with it when she realizes she's got a huge win on her hands? <laughs> like, so this, this theory fixes a lot of that. It's interesting. One criticism that older Disney princess films often face is that their princess protagonists are not very active protagonists. They tend to be saved and rescued by other people and things constantly. And they don't actually do anything. And right. I would say that as a kid, I never really noticed this. Going back and looking at some of these movies, it is it is absolutely true. It like, is true. I mean, I, like, I watched The Little Mermaid again recently, and I guess I had in my mind some, like, version of events where Eric is riding off on that boat and... Ariel has to swim after him and stop the wedding. She doesn't do anything. No, Flounder do pulls anything. her to that boat. She, yep. does <laughs> she does nothing. Scuttle dude, wrecks the wedding. <laughs> Eric does some stuff, and we got to talk about this because he's a freaking badass. Eric <laughs> is so cool. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I don't care that there's a magnificent giant octopus <laughs> woman ruining my day. I'm gonna freaking take her out. He's like, oh, she created a whirlpool. I'll just jump to the bottom of it. Commandeer this sunken boat and pilot it directly into her heart all by myself. <laughs> like, he's like the most heroic Disney hero after a movie of being like a bland nothing. He's just like, no, no, this this giant octopus lady, this magical woman will not ruin my day. <laughs> it's like, oh, Eric. Not my wedding. <laughs> I mean, geez, good gosh, he's I'm, so cool. <laughs> I'm going to play back that sound bite on a loop. To build up my self-esteem, if you think. Eric is so cool. Eric is so cool. Eric is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, other than Prince Eric, like, you can you can also criticize the Disney princes, right? Like, Prince Charming in Snow White has no personality. Prince Charming in Cinderella has no personality and the <laughs> yeah, same name. Yeah, true. Prince same name. <laughs> Philip in Sleeping Beauty was the first time they tried to give their prince a little bit of personality. Yeah, barely. And he, he kind of works a little bit for the first half, but then in the second half, he has no personality. Do you think this is where, like, the, the trope arises from that, like, Disney princesses are basically made like tailor made for a guy and that's their whole purpose and they fall for the first guy they meet and that's their entire purpose in life yeah i don't know exactly i mean i guess well because that would imply that the fantasy is for guys which it is not no it's it's teaching girls what to do is what it's doing right like the the whole thing is that it's saying hey girls this is your lot in life yeah, and I actually wanted to talk about this a little because I think it's an interesting subject. Like like you said, maybe this is like them teaching, you know, young girls your lot in life. But I also don't think they were doing it nefariously. I think they just actually No, that's actually what they thought. In life. <laughs> I agree. So. But I mean, in that case, you could say it is nefarious, right? Like it's systemic nefariousness. But I would also say that there are 
films are made for many different reasons, but one of those reasons is wish fulfillment, right? And there are different kinds of wish fulfillment fantasies. And I don't think there is anything inherently wrong with a wish fulfillment fantasy where like you're in a bad situation and someone just comes and saves you. Like there's nothing wrong with that wish fulfillment fantasy. And a lot of these Disney princess movies, they work. They're still fun movies to watch. What's wrong is if that's the only kind of movie <laughs> that you're getting and then you start kind of feeling like that is exact. you shouldn't yeah, right. be active in your own life. But there is also on the flip side, there's the other wish fulfillment fantasy that gets pushed at a lot of young boys, which is that you got to be a total hero, you know, like He-Man. And you just got to constantly be saving people. I kind of think that if that's all you're getting too, that can also not necessarily be a healthy thing to be growing up with, constantly having like a hero complex and feeling like either that you've always got to be the hero or constantly feeling inadequate because you're not like a total cool hero. Even looking at The Little Mermaid, like, as I was saying, like, Flounder pulls her to the ship like Ariel does nothing and I don't think she's a bad character I actually think she's an interesting and fun character and that there's that's why people like her but like who's the protagonist of that movie if you're if you're measuring protagonist by how active you are it's Sebastian is yeah, the yeah he is, of that he movie. is the total like why man. make a movie called the little mermaid about a little mermaid and then make it about, about a, a crab, crab? <laughs> and don't get me wrong I love Sebastian he's really cool and extremely good at at, at, at his job which is, which is being, being a composer, composer. <laughs> <laughs> I love his story. I love that he's been given this next to impossible task by the king and he's freaking screwed if he doesn't keep watch on this poor young woman and his only skill is that he can compose music and boy does he use that. (laughs) He's oh my gosh he's so good. My theory I think does help to improve Cinderella in this way because what does Cinderella do at face value in this movie? Nothing. Nothing. She doesn't even talk to the guy she falls in love with. And she then when the mice's actions fail, not even her own actions, the mice's actions fail, a fairy godmother shows up to fix everything magically. And then at the very end, the mice get her out of the room, right? Mm. Like, like she does nothing. Where, But if you, if all that was in her imagination, she still doesn't do a lot, but I feel like she's a slightly more active protagonist. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, definitely. All right. Cool. Do you want to talk about Cinderella, Cinderella 2 and 3? three? <laughs> I I don't have much to say about Cinderella 2. So Cinderella 2 is just three stories. And how do they fit into my theory? I think for the most part, they don't. I think at least the first two are just someone's imagined stories that they made up. What are the stories in Cinderella 2? Oh, no. Jack-Jack is a human. So what? <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Yeah. What I love about the Jack is a human story is that that cat straight up does not care what size Jack is. No, no, gonna... no. And that's actually a recurring theme yep. even in the third one is cats Dude. don't care what size they are. They will kill those mice uh-huh. regardless of the size difference. And like man, they're lucky Lucifer never got his hands on them in the first one as like a full-size cat because as a minuscule cat, he just he destroys yeah. them. He mops He's the floor. Way more with them. powerful than he ever was. (laughs) Man, Lucifer. All right, all right. So Cinderella 2 does have one story that I like where Anastasia falls in love. Anastasia being one of the stepsisters. And I like this because it came at a later time, I think probably in the 90s, where they were like, hey, you know what? Even if you're not 
super good looking you're a human too oh okay <laughs> which yeah. i think is a, i think that, that is yeah, a good message <laughs> well and i i agree with that and i think it was also cool that they wanted to like expand the universe and be like hey you know these side characters they're also characters and let's see what's going on with them and i think that uh they saw the second movie they realized the third story about anastasia was the best one with the most potential yeah. and they were like let's, let's make, make that, that into, a movie. into a full movie <laughs> which is what yeah. cinderella 3 is dude <laughs> that baker came back at the end of the, the third movie <laughs> there was like a picture with her and the baker <laughs> there are, there are a few strange things about cinderella 2 why did lady tremaine bring her cat to the market <laughs> i don't know why she's like lucifer do doesn't want to come with her she's like lucifer and he's like no and she's like lucifer and he's like fine <laughs> and he's just wandering around the market with yeah, what noble one brings cat. her cat <laughs> <laughs> i really like in cinderella 2 how we do see things from anastasia's point of view and she says to cinderella while she's crying she's like what do you know you're beautiful it's always been easy for you and then, of course, Cinderella's like, that's not how I remember it. <laughs> well, and it supports your theory that Cinderella was a little more free than she thought, right? That the this sister seemed to think of her as an equal or maybe even a better than her, right? <laughs> like, exactly, yeah. Like, I just think that it shows that if you saw this story from a different person's point of view, they weren't quite so evil to each other and they were just a dysfunctional family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I do think that there's an interesting meta story here about a bunch of writers and animators and artists who were put in a room by Disney and told to come up with some sort of story. And so they just randomly were like, I don't know, we've got a bunch of story ideas. Why don't we just uh, run around making those stories? Which, of course, is the meta story in Cinderella 2 of the mice just like running around crazy trying to randomly paint these stories onto pages and get these <laughs> these dumb this dumb anthology well, out. So you're saying the mice... <laughs> In the like are the overarching narration of the movie are the writers. That's kind of cool. I, yeah. I like that way of looking at it. So now we can move on to Cinderella 3. Absolutely, jaw-droppingly the best Cinderella movie. So good. Like, I remembered it being good, but then I rewatched it. I'm like, this isn't just good. This is amazing. Oh, yeah. And this may be the greatest of the Disney sequels from that era. Cinderella 3 is amazing, but what does it have on Forte? I know. Well, see, that, that's the, the main thing that, that, oh that my keeps goodness. me from. Forte see, is the see, greatest. Bell's Enchanted Disney Christmas villain. is great. And we should maybe do a theory on it sometime. But uh, And Forte is amazing. But one thing that brings it down a little is that one line where the beast says, You can stay there until you rot. I'm like, whoa, Beast, you are officially irredeemable. Like, there's no way the end of the original Beauty and the Beast works anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're going to but... leave her to rot. Like, literally, you just starve to death in your dungeon. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've always thought of the Beast Because she went to get a tree. <laughs> she wasn't yeah. even escaping, and he knows that. No, he knows it. He's, he's just that controlling. <laughs> All right, no, 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 we're not talking about Bell's Enchanted Christmas. I believe that Cinderella 3 is a story that Anastasia is telling. Okay. I think the one part that is maybe true to life is that at the beginning, the stepsisters are doing dishes and they mention that Cinderella has never invited them to a ball or even for tea. First of all, it shows that they believe that their relationship with Cinderella is different from what Cinderella believed their relationship to be. Right? Yeah, well, they maybe they shouldn't have freaking sister. locked her in that tower when the prince's duke came to visit. That was... Lady Tremaine's doing, not theirs, right? Well, why don't you talk us through it? What's the plot of Cinderella 3? What's going on? 
Anastasia finds out that Cinderella has a magical fairy godmother. With a magic wand. And she steals the wand and she gives it to Lady Tremaine. And Lady Tremaine rewinds time. Probably she should have rewound it a little further. But unfortunately, she rewinds to when the shoe didn't fit. And you can tell that the uh, writers had to jump through a few hoops there. Being like, wait, we can't rewind it too far because then none of this will make any sense. (laughs) What point do we rewind this to? (laughs) Well, in the whole movie, Cinderella should not remember the life that she's trying to get back and doesn't at the end, you know, because they're like, what life? No. Also, she's fighting so hard to get back this life that she doesn't know existed. Right. She just knows that she danced with him and she likes him. Yeah. So, yeah, they rewind time and then they use magic to make it so the shoe fits Anastasia. And then Anastasia is going to get married to the prince. And then Cinderella, in what is just an amazing critique of the original movie becomes one of the most active protagonist Disney princesses ever (laughs) and goes and impersonates a servant and does all kinds of crazy things to try to get back the life she feels is hers. It's sort of Anastasia who in a way saves the day because she's going to get married to the prince. She is now Cinderella. She's been transformed into Cinderella and she's going to get married to the prince And she says, I do not want to marry you because she wants true love. She doesn't want to just marry this guy because Lady Tremaine is telling her to. And then the real Cinderella shows up. And most importantly, they do not undo the movie. It is canonically how Cinderella happened now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is true. Cinderella happened with the stepsisters fitting the shoe and Cinderella going on a crazy quest to win the prince's love anyway. And getting trapped in an insanely crazy evil pumpkin. Oh yeah. Wow, that pumpkin was crazy. <laughs> and that dude Lucifer went off the rails when oh, he got to man, pilot that bad. pumpkin. <laughs> At the end, this fairy godmother's like, would you like to go back to your former lives? And they say, what former lives? And, and the fairy godmother says, it. oh, never mind. <laughs> Because, of course, they don't remember what didn't happen to them. And with that line, they reset the classic beloved Disney canon of Cinderella forever. In terms of canon, some of Cinderella 1 exists. None of Cinderella 2 exists, except that there is evidence to show that actually Cinderella 2 happened after Cinderella 3. Yeah, it might have. Because Cinderella 2 has that story about Anastasia meets and falls in love with a random baker. And then at the end of Cinderella 3, you can see that there is a portrait on the wall of Anastasia meeting that baker. Yeah. So that might have happened after Well, and it kind of makes sense because in Cinderella 2, Cinderella seems to have a much better relationship with Anastasia than she did in Cinderella 1. And the only way she could have got that relationship is from Cinderella 3 with Anastasia kind of, you know, taking her side and helping her in the end. (laughs) But what doesn't make any sense, even in that version of events, is that they seem pretty cool with Lady Tremaine and Drizella just like living normal lives and not being in jail, <laughs> which is why I believe that the bulk of Cinderella 3 is a story that Anastasia is telling. I think that maybe Anastasia wants to become a writer and she's just writing a fun story where she gets to be the hero. If she's telling all this, it's all from her point of view, then how does she know about the talking mice and Jack-Jack and Gus-Gus? Like, what's going on there? I personally believe that before Cinderella's dad died, that these three siblings did live together and play together. And it's possible that Cinderella always had these kind of stories she would tell about a mouse named Jack-Jack and Gus and a fairy godmother. And that's how Anastasia knew about all of these elements. 
I think that a lot of Cinderella's giant entourage of anthropomorphic mice grew as she became more and more crazy as she got older. Because when Anastasia is telling the story in Cinderella 3, only Gus and Jack-Jack could exist. Gus Gus couldn't have existed before that because we know that she caught him in Cinderella. <laughs> or do we? Uh-oh. <laughs> Mice die a lot. Maybe she gets a new Gus Gus every, oh, you know, oh. every couple of years. Okay, she yeah. gets a, a new fat mouse. She's like, okay, this one's Octavius. I'm going to put a shirt that's way too small for even him <laughs> on him. <laughs> and this is the new Gus Gus. <laughs> okay, I get it. So she replaces Gus Gus every few years and also... And probably Jack. Jack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I also love that the writers make fun of the original movie in many ways. But when the king is questioning Prince Charming about what happened, he's like, wait, so birds are talking to you, mice are talking to you. He's like, don't be silly. The birds didn't talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Just the mice. Yeah, just the mice. Because in the original, the birds don't talk. Just the mice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, come on. What kind of lunatic are you? Why not? I don't know. (laughs) Jeez. Another reason that I think that this is Anastasia's invented story. Notice how Drizella is portrayed as just an absolute disgusting pig. Yeah. <laughs> like, like even more so just, than, than in the first pig, two but movies. also an idiot. Like she's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel like this is how you would talk about your sister in a story. She's like, yeah, then Drizella was stupid. She just started pigging out on all <laughs> that food. <laughs> but then I have to ask you, why does she write Cinderella as like you said, the most active female protagonist that has ever existed in Disney, right? I think that she's telling this story after the fact, right? She's making up this story after she and Cinderella already have kind of a relationship because Cinderella helped her get together with that baker. Yeah. And so I don't think she wants to portray Cinderella as bad or evil because now she kind of gets Cinderella, their buddies. Okay. And also, like, she is straight up the princess. <laughs> yeah, Cinderella's a princess. But also they have a clever nod here that I think is is them just sort of low-key confirming my theory from the first movie, which is the prince at one point says, well, it's official. I've lost my mind. First I was hijacked by birds, and now I'm talking to imaginary mice. Like He literally says, imaginary mice. Yeah, imaginary mice. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Those are his exact words. Like Cinderella, she seems so refined and cool. So to see her actually getting kind of messy, going on an adventure, doing stupid voice, pretending to be a maid to sneak around her her stepmother. I mean, how how stupid is she that she thinks she can just walk around in the same room as her stepmother and not be recognized? (laughs) Come on, Cinderella. She's your mom. (laughs) She knows. Right. Well, I mean, maybe that's further evidence that it wasn't Cinderella at the ball, right? Because we know she recognized her right away in this. That doesn't really work exactly because you know i'm saying it's a story that anastasia's telling but yeah lady tremaine recognizes her right away even when she's doing a funny voice oh yeah that funny voice would have tricked anyone <sighs> so anyway i mean that pretty much wraps up my theory i don't have too much to say about the sequels but man if you haven't seen cinderella 3 go, yeah, go watch, watch cinderella it. 3 i mean you can skip cinderella go 2, watch but... cinderella 1 as well and i mean let us know if you buy our theory watch the film i'm glad you listened to our theory uh Music for this episode was provided by Christine. If you like our podcast, you can rate or subscribe on wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, give us a review. And also, we're on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at Popcorn Isn't Real. Uh, if nothing else, remember the, the popcorn, popcorn isn't, isn't real. real.